Welcome to Manager Tools. Today's topic, Conduct Multiple Interviews, Chapter 1, Part 3. Here we go. Okay, so we talked about, you know, in previous casts that interviewing is the most important activity of effective managers, right? It's, it's right. the quality of people is the absolute most valuable organizational discriminator. And right. the fact that quality of people is based upon the raw material plus development. But, you know, frankly, I think we made the case, why start in the, in, in the ditch when you can start with yeah. raw talent that's great, right? And make them even better. We talked about Horseman's risk assessment and the idea that the worst thing you can possibly do is hire the wrong person. And, yeah. and, and eliminating that possibility is the most important thing you can do as a manager. Yeah, I was thinking about that the other day. I had, uh, I had forgotten that years ago, somebody sent me an email reminding me that so many managers, when they hire Mike, they think they want to avoid a false negative, right? They want to avoid missing somebody who's a great fit. And what they do is they say, that would be terrible to miss somebody who's a great fit. And I, and I, for a long time, called that a Romeo and Juliet. That's where both of them wanted to be together. The person was right for the business and the business wanted the person, right? They, they should have ended up together. And as Romeo and Juliet did at the end of the, at the end of the play, I mean, they were both alive and together. And then through a series of misunderstandings, not an interview, of course, but through a mis- <laughs> series of misunderstandings, they both end up at the end of the play dead. Right. Um, sorry, sorry for the plot spoiler there, okay. folks. So, so now you're equating yourself to uh, Shakespeare. Good, good. No, no, no. No, no. The point is, is that managers are so they consider a false, a false negative, right? Saying no to the the right candidate to be a tragedy on the scale of Romeo and Juliet, and they can't even imagine that there's something more tragic than Romeo and Juliet. But of course. The only managers who know that a false positive is eternal hell and damnation are the ones that have actually done it, right? And the ones who have hired the wrong person, every manager who's hired the wrong person will tell you privately or publicly, whatever you do, don't hire the wrong person, run away from anybody who's even close to being the wrong person. Those managers who believe that the ultimate tragedy is a Romeo and Juliet, a false negative, in fact, they're wrong. There's something worse. It's a false positive. So there you go. I thought I'd share that. I, I, I've been meaning to say that on air for a while, and somebody reminded of it, remind me of it recently. There's something worse than the tragedy of Romeo and Juliet when it comes to hiring, and that's eternal hell of a false <laughs> positive. <laughs> and so then we we wonder, well, what do we do to prevent yeah. that? Right, and 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 that's where we start getting to our advice of interviewing every direct candidate three times at a minimum. Yeah, and and that's where effective interviewing managers really start when they start thinking about their interviews. Right, they know that any one sixty or ninety minute experience with a candidate is absolutely not enough to make a no good way. decision. Yeah, right. No yeah. way. Yeah, and I apologize again for this cast being so long, but again, this is the most important topic we will ever cover, and we're going to cover it over a period of years. We'll have numerous topics on how to be a great hiring manager. We've already touched on it before with setting the bar high. But look, smart, effective managers would not dream of making a decision in an hour they might, that they might have to live with for years, right? And there might be some, some 
less experienced managers out there who would say, well, no, why would I have to live with them for years? If they're not right, I just let them go. Well, it's much harder to get rid of somebody than it is to, to hire them, frankly. And in fact, what's the refrain in most companies? Oh, you can't fire anybody around here. When in fact, managers, rules managers know you can. There's an ethical way. There's a caring way. There's a right way. But ultimately, there is a way. Effective managers, believe it or not, assume they will have to live with all of their hiring decisions for years and years. And of course, if you assume that, you begin to think, well, boy, I better, you know, <laughs> if I mess up my budget this year, I have to live with it for a year and I can learn and do better a year from now. If I mess up a hire and I'm assuming now that I'm going to have to live with them for years and years and years and years, wow, that's the one thing I know I don't want to mess up is a bad hire. And if we raise the high, the bar high enough, right, if we say, well, I'm not going to hire you just for this job, I'm going to look at the next job and I'm going to look really, really broadly at all the potential skills and cultural fit and so on that, that we need you to have, if we say no as a standard, we know we're only going to hire folks who are exceptional. And those are folks we're going to want to keep and, and we're willing to work to keep. And suddenly the managing of those people becomes less of a chore. It becomes less of a burden. It becomes an investment in a much better future and our jobs getting easier over time. So look, it's easy because we're going to have to live with a hiring decision for a long time. We're willing to take a long time making the hiring decision. And look, all we're talking about here, you notice this cast is conducting multiple interviews, chapter one. This is only about you, the hiring manager, interviewing three times, okay? Each candidate three times at a minimum. If you want to interview them five times, as long as you're not repeating the same questions and asking the same questions over and over again, we won't stand in your way at all. There's nothing wrong with a candidate feeling like they got a hard, a difficult interview. Uh, and if a candidate says, well, gee, you know, that was just, they should be able to make a decision in less time. That's probably from somebody who has made a lot of poor hiring decisions and just expects you to like them. But the fact that they like themselves doesn't mean you ought to like them. You don't know them. You don't know them other than their resume. And after three or four or five hours, half of the world would say three or four or five hours is not nearly enough to really feel comfortable about bringing somebody in close. The, the D's and the C's of the world, you know, they generally, you know, they tend to keep people at arm's length for much longer than a few hours before they decide to, quote, become friends or, quote, become associates, unquote. So chapter two of conducting multiple interviews talks about having more than just you interview them. So that's not, that's a whole separate cast. So look, we're not talking about others whom we're also going to have interview. We're only talking about the hiring manager. And yes, we're going to recommend every manager. If you're, if you're listening to this cast and you're thinking about hiring someone, we recommend three interviews with you alone and you alone just to start with to get the process rolling. How'd you get that magic number? How'd you get to three? Is, there, is it the number three or is something else that drove that? Yeah. Yeah. The, the first interview has got to be a phone interview. Okay. Effective hiring managers always start interviewing with a phone interview. And, and the reason why is simple. It takes less time. There's, there's less logistics. And your, your goal is always in interviewing is to rule people out. And it occurs to me, I've said that an awful lot, but we need to make sure that's its own separate cast. Your goal is to rule people out. But look, here's what managers do, at least in our experience. And, and, and folks, if you're not one of these managers good for you, we're describing what we believe happens 70 to 80% of the time. Managers think, well, look, HR already reviewed 100 resumes to get to these 10 I'm looking at. So therefore, that's a screening, right? They've already been screened. And so I'll just interview all 10 of them, you know. And the fact is, that's it's wrong-headed, okay? 
HR screening, the process by which they take a pile of resumes and turn it into a somewhat more manageable pile, is inherently flawed as a way to cull those resumes. You're going to interview a certain number of people. If you allow HR to do the first screening, and we're not against that, we're not against the idea of HR whittling it down, but if you believe that turned the pile from yeses and noes into just likely yeses, that's a fundamentally flawed mentality. We've sat next to HR people as they go through resumes. And they don't screen in the way that we've experienced effective hiring managers doing the interview. In fact, we'll talk about it in a different cast, but we recommend you actually be the one that do the resume screening, if you will. I mean, really, no offense to HR here, but why would we entrust a step like that to somebody who really doesn't understand our needs fully? Now, look, if you've got a great HR person, the ideal HR person is, of course, somebody who's been a line manager before, but but if she's awesome... And she's managed your, in your role before or managed for, you know, at, at a level near yours in the, in the industry and in the company you're at now. Okay. Then probably she has a pretty good take on things and, and she will be thinking about it as a hiring manager. But too many HR people think of it as a HR screen. But what about the, the hiring managers who say to us, well, HR didn't just call resumes. They actually did phone interviews. So why do we have to do that? If, if, HR, in fact, did actually did this, the, the phone interview. Yeah. Okay. It's a, it's a fair question. It's easy to deflect that question. The, the simple answer or the short answer, which is not full, and I'll, I'll give you a second one in a minute. The first answer is, well, because you're the one responsible living with it. Okay. Right. Thanks. I mean, that helps. It's a simple. Yeah. It's as simple as that. I mean, if you believe that you're the bur- you're the one who's going to be burdened with the success or failure of the decision you make, then you're going to say, I'm not going to rely on anyone else. But let me give you the longer answer, which is HR is screening differently than you will interview. Okay. They're probably screening for communication skills. And look, some HR people are sharp and they're going to try to do more. And some of them will do that more well. And some of them will do that more not so well. But look, effective hiring managers don't need someone else to screen for communication skills or cultural fit. Another thing that HR looks for. Any of us can do that after some practice. In fact, if you interview somebody and they seem to have all of the abilities you want, but they're a poor communicator, well, okay, fine. You might choose to rule them out. I I would because I think communication skills uh, in organizations are really, really important. It's almost always in my top three or four. Obviously, for managers, it's in the top one or two or three. But if you're a good interviewer, you'll draw that conclusion. A tough, demanding interview, and we'll tell you about those in a future cast, you'll be able to know whether or not they have the right skills and the communication skills will become obvious. Effective hiring managers can easily interview for both communication skills and technical skills and industrial skills and specific job skills or cultural fit in a series of interviews. That's why we're doing more interviews. Right now, if HR is not doing the screening, that's fine. Maybe you have to interview more people. I don't, I don't mind interviewing more people. I have other things to do, but if in fact interviewing more people gets me a chance at increasing a true positive, in other words, finding the right person, I'm willing to do it because he or she's going to make my job a lot easier. Look, whether there's HR screening resumes or not, effective hiring managers always conduct phone interviews first. They do it themselves. Okay. And, and, and here's something else we, we said well, the first interview is, 
Let, yeah. me, let me ask a question for you. There's something I noticed there that that you said. I want I want you to highlight what you mean by that. You you talked about HR doing screening, yet when you talk about the manager, you're always talking about interviewing. Yeah, there's a difference there, obviously. Yeah, I, th- I think um, it, it it is a. As some people would say, well, that's just vocabulary. But to me, it it matters. If you think of screening. When, when an HR person or even some hiring managers, when they think of screening, they're thinking, I'm ruling out all the no's, right? I mean, let, let's screen out the no's. Right. But, but if, in fact, someone gets through a screen, right, it's as if, oh, that step was screening people out, but the rest is really not. The rest in interviewing is getting to know people, okay? The use of the word screening is wrong on two counts. First... Screening suggests it won't be a complete interview, that it's something different, okay? But but look, if, if you're trying to find the one and you're looking at 50, then by definition, you're going to have to rule out 49, right? Why not immediately start thinking, let's rule people out? Because look, I suppose the only reasonably likely outcomes of looking for one in a pile of 50 is maybe you'll end up with one. Maybe you end up with two, you know, okay, fine, an embarrassment of riches, or you end up with zero. The difference between zero, one, and two in a pile of 50, other than the difference between zero and one in all numerical discussions, the difference between 50 and zero, one, and two is enormous. I mean, the scope of the difference between zero, one, and two and 50 is, is fairly trivial. It's a difference of, you know, units of one, right? So, so why would you say, I'm going to screen out the really bad ones, but I'll leave in the ones that might be okay. Why not try to get from 50 down to three as fast as you possibly can and then spend more time with those three? Yeah, but that's not that's not how HR, in my experience, I mean, working with HR, that's not how generally they see it, right? They, I suspect the vast majority of HR organizations look at it as their roles to give the manager, the hiring manager, as many candidates as possible that meet yes. some minimum requirements. They're not They're not really thinking about minimizing. They're thinking about maximizing the number of right. candidates. Right. Right. Yeah. He, he, let, let me suggest something else. It's, it's not in the show notes, but but it occurs to me that that probably ought to be. And that is if an HR person or for that matter, some manager who's doing some screening is not trying to eliminate people and the candidate thinks they're being interviewed and they get what amounts to a soft interview, which an HR or the manager would hi- would dis- describe as a screen. They probably think if they get through, things are going to get easier. And by the way, it's a screen and it's not hard. If they think it's going to get easier and then when they first meet you, you give them a, a really, really hard interview, they will be unprepared. Now, now, you might say to yourself, well, they ought to be ready for that. Yes, I agree. They ought to be ready for that. They will not be. HR will do a screen and then HR will say, hey, by the way, great news. You've made it on to the next level. And what do almost every, what does almost every candidate do when they find out they've made it on to the ne- next level? Breathe a sigh of relief and relax and say, now I can be myself. Hmm. I'm going to say it a little bit differently. The second point I was going to make, I think you've already made it really, is that the idea of a, quote, screening, unquote, implies that this step in the process is designed to screen people out. But, okay, that's fine. It is designed to screen people out. But as opposed to what? As opposed to the next steps not screening people out? Are we going to screen now and then, quote, get to know them later when we interview them? Look, when we interview people, we're not trying to get to know people. We're trying to say no. 
Okay, we're screening all the time. We're itching to say no at any time. We're we're willing to say no simply because the wind changes directions, folks. That's an overstatement. Okay, <laughs> um, we're not thinking about the process ever, folks. Ever getting any easier in terms of quote not screening as we go along. Now, look, I've said it before. I'm going to say it again. There's nothing in being a tough interviewer that is rude, disrespectful, forceful, mean-spirited, overly aggressive. There's none, okay? You don't need to be harsh or unprofessional, okay? Don't read anything into our cast about setting a high bar to mean that we need to be standoffish or intentionally cold or unpleasant personally as a way of sending message that yeah, you're being judged and I'm, I'm the jury and the judge as well, okay? So this is not the last step of screening. It's it's an interview. And and since the candidate is going to call it that, tell people, don't say we're going to do a phone screen and it's going to be light. And well, you might say phone screen, they're going to hear light interview and they're going to feel good that they made it through. And over half, maybe 75% will go, yeah, maybe even more than that. We'll say, okay, good. Um, it's going to get easier now. And then they meet you after HR screen them and ooh, ouch. So the point is that first interview is a phone interview. It is a phone interview, whether HR did a phone interview or not, I promise you, you're going to interview differently than HR. And further, every candidate goes through the same phone interview. You prepare your interview questions and you ask the same set of questions of every single candidate. Now, to be fair, it's a shortened interview. It doesn't need to be any longer than an hour as opposed to you can go an hour and a half. And and in some cases, you could go two uh, face-to-face, and we'll share why that is, mainly because people don't do well after an hour on a, on a phone interview. Yeah. Um, and, and it's a set of standard questions. And they're not necessarily that much different questions than you would ask in the face-to-face interview. Yeah. And, and folks, you know, you schedule for no more than an hour, but if in 20 minutes you know that this person is not a potential candidate for the position, then you don't go for an hour, right? And that's right. that's for another cast. We could we could tell you specifically. Yeah, there's how risk associated with that. Yeah, yeah. Managers make mistakes. Managers make embarrassing mistakes when they've decided not to go forward, and they continue interviewing. They get sloppy, and we don't we don't want that. And look at the reasons for the phone interview. I think the ones you gave were great. I'll, I'll tell you mine. Mine's really okay. simple because I'm kind of I'm kind of selfish about my time. If I'm <laughs> As in this process we're describing, I'm going to interview this person face-to-face at least twice, and I'm going to have several people within my organization interview this person. I want to eliminate the possibility of anybody wasting one minute with somebody who's not a potential candidate. Oh, didn't even think about that. You're absolutely right. Yeah. I'm going to put a lot of effort into interviewing this person, and given that, I want to eliminate them as quickly as possible. That's yeah. my reason. <laughs> Yeah, that's a really good one. I never thought of it before, but yeah, you're just self-preservation, right? You're protecting your your team's time. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so good. that's that's the first interview, the phone interview. Right. The second one is a face-to-face. Tell me about that. Yeah. And so if someone makes it through our first interview, which no one ever does, I'm kidding, <laughs> um, and it's over the phone, it's time to interview them face-to-face. I mean, look, for almost everybody, we don't recommend more than one phone interview, In some cases, based on location and distance, you might actually do two. And by the way, folks, don't assume that all face-to-face interviews are co-located interviews. There are certain interviews there can't, you can have a face-to-face interview. That's a video video interview. They can be very effective. And, uh, I have a good friend who long story short, um, called me up to get him ready for an interview once. And I got him ready for a video interview and he nailed it and got the job and then discovered later that I was coaching the very person. 
Uh, I didn't know it at the time, but I was coaching the executive they interviewed with. And she later told me, this guy was so good in the interview. And I was able (laughs) to tell her, yeah, I helped. But it's easy to help guys who are really super high quality. But look, for most of us, the standard, the second interview is a standard face-to-face interview, same location. I use the word standard advisedly because I, everybody probably has different definitions of that. And look, folks, it should come as no surprise that we highly recommend other people interview your candidate when they come to that location. You could choose to do a face-to-face without having your team involved and say, I'm going to do a phone interview and then I'm going to do a face-to-face. And then and only then I'm going to have him or her come back and I'm going to, and I will do another face-to-face for two hours or so. And then my team will interview this person as well. That's fine. Um, we'll talk more about scheduling and, and how to put the interviews in order in a different cast. So the second interview though, it's our first face-to-face one, is similar to the first interview. It's longer, and it's likely to involve much more probing of your interview, your candidate's answers, okay? The interview is designed to be harder than the first one, okay? Again, effective managers do not start looking for reasons to hire someone during the second interview. Ineffective ones do, but effective ones don't. Think of it this way. Why would any step in the process be easier than previous steps? If they are, anybody you bring in after a first interview would surely by definition make it through an easier next step. You might as well go ahead and offer. And frankly, what happens is if you think it's easier, but then they stun you with a mistake, it's almost as if you get lucky making a good decision by saying no to somebody and you don't want the most important decision you have, you make to hinge on luck. It just doesn't, doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense. It's a real bad flaw of most managers who are hiring, and we've alluded to this before with the whole screening discussion. They think that at some point, we're supposed to start looking for reasons to hire, to like somebody. Now, by the way, folks, we're not suggesting it's it's impossible to start liking somebody in a phone interview. It is. You can start liking somebody. We think that's great. That's a good sign. But the process is not designed for you to start liking them. Okay. You might get a moment of like, wow, that was a really great answer. I like this guy. Good. Keep interviewing. Okay. Put that liking aside and say, nice. I'm glad I might really, this guy might be a great hire. Yeah. And still look for reasons to say no. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, it occurs to me as you and I are talking, we just, we just came back from a a conference and we had a effective communication conference. Good interviewing is high C territory, right? It's it's conscientious, it's um, analytical, it's perfectionist in nature. And if a high C, a conscientious person, somebody who's task focused and reserved and dot the I's and cross the T's and make sure everything's right, if they can essentially adopt our protocols for hiring and then do it with warmth and be friendly while they're giving tough interviews. I, I have a feeling that all things being equal, high C's will be more naturally uh, likely to to um, to be good uh, hiring managers. Not to be great interviewers, that's only part of it. Um, a lot of people would say high eyes are great interviewers because they, it's so fun, I get to chit-chat, it's like, yeah, it's great. Yeah, well, it, it's nice to have a chit-chat, but what's really important is <laughs> making good decisions. So look, um, if you start looking for people to like, there's going to be problems. Um, If you folks, if you start looking for something to like, you will find it. But that's not good because effective interviewing isn't about finding the right person. It's about eliminating the wrong person. And here's what's really dangerous. When we look for things to like, we start becoming really bad at seeing reasons not to like them or not to hire them. Think of it this way. Suppose we tend spend 10 minutes talking about something that makes that person a perfect fit in an early interview. 
That is 10 minutes we did not spend finding something else not to like. We have essentially gotten off track of figuring out a reason to rule somebody out. Okay, all this is a long way to say that the second interview isn't about finding a fit. It's about continuing to rule out potential false positives, about avoiding that infinite death and destruction, the one thing that's worse than the tragedy of Romeo and Juliet, and that's worth avoiding. Good. Okay, so now now here's the, the part I think that a lot of people are going to push back on. We've already done the face-to-face. We've done the phone interview, then we've done a face-to-face, and if they pass that, you're suggesting or recommending that we do a third interview also face-to-face. Now, so what's yeah. different? I mean, so we've already spent 90 <laughs> minutes with somebody in the first face-to-face interview. What's different about the the next one? Why, why do it again? Yeah. I think I can, I, I can give you an anecdotal answer by saying I'll never forget the manager who said to me, the biggest difference in my life was not, I realized something I thought in my third management job that I had become a good manager because I had learned all the things about how to do, how to, how to be a manager. And he said, it wasn't until about three jobs later that I realized that I became a good manager in my third job because I got to pick my own team and I had had bad people working for me. I'm sorry, bad people is, is, is oversimplification. I had had ineffective uh, directs working for me and it was because somebody else had hired them and they didn't know what they were doing. And I essentially was very careful about hiring. And I thought it was just because I'm a, I'm a good manager. And in fact, I realize now it's because I got to choose my, my own team. Look, this is the most important thing you're going to do. It's worth doing well. It's worth spending extra hours for. It is worth reinforcing yourself. And, and for many of you, you're going to start liking the, the candidate after the second interview. And if they can go through another hour and a half or two hour interview and you still like them, even though I would argue you ought not to be liking them, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna judge your emotional state. I would say, okay, then you've probably got a, a, a good hire. It's worth. It's, let me say it differently. It's worth sending a message to any potential employee, and, and by definition, uh, by extension, if you will, any thereby to any existing team member that getting in on this team to be a part of this team is hard work. The bar is high. The standards are high. That, that this is important, that, that joining us is not done lightly. Okay. That which we achieve too easily, we esteem too cheaply. Right. Every, heaven knows how to put a price and it's good. It's all, you know, everybody wants to get to heaven, but nobody wants to die. Right. Right. If you want to be on our team, if you want to be on a really good team, we have high standards. The third interview is a continuation of the first and second ones. It's more behavioral questions. Okay. You'll look at your first two. We'll talk about it in more detail in a future cast, but you'll look at your first two and you'll probably probe in a couple of areas just to verify some things, verify that they're strength and look for potential other weaknesses. You may discover, nah, maybe I really haven't gone in this area as much as I could. It's more chit chat, right? You, you don't bring the person in. You, you can certainly be more natural and, and exude some more warmth while still giving a brilliantly tough interview. It's more questions and, 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 of course, more of their answers and, of course, more of their questions to you. After a third interview, if somebody said, well, I've had all my questions answered, I would be a little bit surprised. If the hiring manager is saying, I still want more questions of you, I would assume the candidate would know. That means more questions of them as well. So, again, folks, for those of you who are sitting there thinking, gee, this is a lot, we, we say, yeah, it is. Indeed, it totally is. And, and we think that's reasonable based on what we started this cast with, which is interviewing is the most important thing you do. Think of it this way, folks. If you don't think of yourself as good at interviewing now, and it's the most important thing you do, why would you think you could get good results quickly? 
And the answer is, of course, you can't, nor, nor could I if I were in your shoes. So we're not pointing fingers at you. But here's the thing. You can learn, right? And so that means more interviewing. The more time you spend with each candidate, the better you'll be on the next candidate. It may take longer to do all these interviews, but you will actually get better faster. And in fact, one of the casts, we're going to talk about interviewing, how to interview a bench person, and that will make you better as well. And you'll discover you're doing interviews nearly all the time. Yeah. You do it this way and incorporate some of the advice we're going to give over the, the coming upcoming podcast on this. Your life will get so much better. You would never in a million years go back to the old way of doing it. It's kind of like one-on-ones. Once you've done one-on-ones for a while, yeah, exactly. you can't imagine life without them. This is very yep. similar. Yeah. So just wrapping up again, I, I apologize on this a three-part cast. I know we probably spent more time on the non-actionable stuff in the beginning. And uh, there are some things where the activities are so based on important theories, we have to spend a minute talking about them or a few minutes. And I know I can be long-winded. I apologize for that. But anyway, the six points we made, interviewing is the most important, effective, most important activity of effective managers. Get good at it. You've got to understand the danger. Uh, the danger is not a Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> the danger is infinite death and destruction. Avoid a false positive. You've got to interview everybody three times. And that means first a phone interview, then a face-to-face interview, and then another face-to-face interview. And again, you get better at hiring and you'll achieve better results without becoming a better manager, other than being better at hiring is part of becoming a better manager. And getting better at, at, at interviewing means spending more time on it than you're used to. That's how we get better at anything. Um, remember, remember the meme of 10,000 hours. It takes 10,000 hours to get really good to master something. Over-interview people. And then thanks to Horseman's risk assessment, you end up reducing the chances of that deadly false positive. Who wants a deadly false positive? Not me. Not me. All right, my friend. Thanks. Thanks, partner. All righty. We'll see you. Thanks, everyone. That's it. Hope you enjoyed it. A long one, but uh, a very important topic if you're in the process of interviewing folks. So we'll see you all next week. Meantime, have a great one.